This is the Mix Zone by Infront Lab. We chat with sports and innovation leaders from around the globe, talking about everything from the newest technologies to major trends affecting our industry. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're Infront Lab, the digital and tech branch of Infront Sports and Media. At the lab, we put fans first and use technology to improve experiences by helping rights owners meet their fans at all touch points along their individual journeys. We work with all sports-related industries, from data to content and everything in between. I'm Marav Severe, head of B2B marketing at Infront Lab and host of this podcast. This episode of The Mix Zone is a bit different, a special edition if you will. In October of 2022, Infront Lab's managing director, Damien Brovalnik, joined our partners from 1FC Cologne and co-worker from Infront Germany for a masterclass to share the story of the innovation game. The innovation game was a collaborative effort between the three and one of Cologne's sponsors, Deutsche Telekom. It featured a friendly match between the German club and Italian club AC Milan, during which Cologne tested 19 technologies live and allowed their fans to test the tech and offer their feedback. Damien, Philip Leisenfeld from Cologne, and Alex Reimann from Infront Germany discussed the process, the challenges, and outcomes of the innovation game. The session was led by Infront PR and Communications Associate Anja Luthi. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome everyone, and thanks so much for joining our uh, Infront Masterclass today. Uh, we hope, obviously, to give you a bit more insights and a bit of a deep dive into the innovation game we did with Airsoft to Cone, what we do with, uh, yeah, as a marketer with Infront uh, as a whole, as well as obviously innovation-wise with Infront Lab. My name is Anja. I'll be moderating today. I'm from Infront Switzerland, our headquarter. And joining us is Alex from Infront Germany, Philip from Airsoft to Cone, and as well as Damien from Infront Lab. Maybe to start off with, um, I would like to ask maybe you, Alex, could you a bit elaborate on the partnership we have as Infront as the exclusive partner since 2014 already? Maybe how this all started, what do we do, how is our relationship? So, thank you very much. You said everything. Uh, we are the exclusive uh, partner of uh, FC Cologne and a proud partner since 2014. And our main task, of course, is selling the commercial rights, which means uh, the, the um, commercial assets, as well as uh, hospitality, so we have a full service contract. And um, besides that, um, we're supporting the club um, like um, in terms of uh, bringing the, the latest LED board technology to the stadium, um, making the strategy for entering new markets like uh, Japan, which is the focus market for Cologne. Uh, we will have um, a marketing management journey end of October this, this year. So um, these, these um, our tasks besides um, selling the rights. And of course, and that's why we're here um, together with Infront Lab, with, with Damon's team, uh, we support the club um, in terms of <clears throat> innovation and and new technologies. Maybe, Philip, you can jump in. I mean, you were already there when the collaboration started, and obviously we all know you are driving innovation heavily um, at Köln. Maybe, like, how did it start? What What was the process of actually then bringing Infront Lab on board as well? Yeah, so I, I actually know the day 
when I first met Damien because Alex said, hey, Philip, you need to come into the stadium to our offices, new offices a couple of years ago. Um, you need to meet Damien. Um, and what we actually felt like was the classic partnership between Infront and us on everything Alex just mentioned um, works perfectly when it comes to the, let's say, focus topic sponsoring. Um, but on the other hand, we were actually you know, developing our digital strategy and try to figure out how actually technology could help us to grow. Um, and at this time, Alex said, okay, we have the lab in, in Tel Aviv. It probably makes sense if you guys um, meet. And then we had a quick session in the stadium. Damien showed me a lot of slides, <laughs> I think. Um, uh, but uh, but it felt it felt like we have the same perspective on actually how sports should evolve and how potential new business can, you know, can help us to um, to grow the existing business models, but also create new ones. Um, at that time, we were also looking into some potential investment cases, um, especially when it comes to startups. I mean, Damien and his team has a track record on on this topic as well, which is um, amazing. And afterwards, we, you know, we decided to try to do um, or create a rhythm where we have actually a good, good conversation in a um, in a different way. Not only meeting, but also creating some cases together. So Damien always has actually two to three interesting companies in his backpack when we talk, and then um, we try to think about if there's a potential or not. Um, and yeah, and then two, two and a half years ago, we first discussed about the innovation game itself. And then it was pretty clear for me that um, the lab should be the partner who is actually helping us to developing the, the mobile web app and helping us to, to bring everything together. Maybe jumping onto that right away with the innovation game, Damien, obviously this is a, it was a very large project, you know, it was very time consuming, was very large in the companies you've considered, evaluated and the stage that it was on uh, ultimately. Can you maybe explain us a little bit further what was, were the challenges of such a big project and innovation game itself? I think first and foremost is about setting the goals right because it's very easy to get defocused and want to do everything because everything is interesting and everything might be relevant, but at the end you need to choose the relevant things that move the needle. And I think it was easier because of the relationship with FC Kern, but at the same time the tremendous support of Infront Germany. It was very clear to us that there's a real use case here that we need to support and we were open to do whatever it takes. Now, one of the challenges is, again, trying to keep everything running while, again, trying to bring so many companies and putting it as one story. And this is why we did it in one story, which is the innovation game. But at the end of the day, it was broken down to three paths. Actually, it was at the beginning four, but then we reduced it to three um, and... I think also for the users and for what we wanted to achieve, it made a lot of sense. So focus is one. Being able to integrate in a way without expending too much money because you can start integrating and then demand that each of the companies integrate 
all the technologies into the app, and then it will be, of course, costly. So also in terms of the relevant integration, we needed to keep it very, very thin. And I think what we will be challenged for is what are we going to do now? Because one thing is what we did, but the real challenge come now as, okay, it was a great use case. Can we now make it a successful business case or a successful, um, let's say, enrichment for the fans and so on? So moving from just trying things to making this really work for the long term. And maybe adding uh, another perspective. You said focus and it's uh, time. Uh, it's a very large project. And at the beginning, I guess it was one year. And then we moved uh, the match uh, to another date uh, because uh, we needed more time. And um, yeah, and the pandemic. Yeah, and the fans in the stadium. Um, so yeah, time is for such a large project very important. Definitely, maybe Philip, you from from the club perspective, also maybe what challenges were you facing that actually drove you to do such an innovation game? Yeah, I think from the from the meta perspective, it's obviously how we actually want to grow and how we want to change our business. So, based on our digital strategy and and, and on the perspective, you know, for us, club which is 100% owned by his members um, and don't want to get external money, it is important that we are able to you know generate new revenue streams. So, based on this strategic fact, it is obvious that technology and innovation is probably one of one of the most interesting paths you could you could go, um, and based on that, we you know with Damien and the deal flow we had. So based on the innovation activities we were doing for years, it was always in our mind that we wanted to you know create a real case where we actually test and validate whether those solution could be used in a in a in a in a real game, and not only perhaps on a training pitch or um, behind the scenes. And then when Deutsche Telekom joined, it was actually one of the first pitches we made four years ago. So four years ago, this idea was um, evolved the first time. And after we have pitched it, um, unluckily, we were relegated down to the second league. And therefore, Deutsche Telekom wasn't getting sponsor. Um, and then the idea was basically always around us. We always thought about it, but then afterwards um, Deutsche Telekom became partner and they actually came back and said, hey, we have this innovation game in mind. Um, let's get this idea back to, to life. And I mean, at the end, it's like Damien said it correctly, right? So we have this one-time use case with a spectacular game, spectacular reach. Um, for the 8,000 people in the stadium for a test game. I think Atze Mailand is still considering how this is possible that so many people coming to a, to a preseason match. Um, but now it's the time to, you know, interpret all the results we have, the feedback from the fans, from the partners, and then just create something and try to really develop business models which can help us to grow in different revenue streams. This is probably now even the biggest challenge we have, right? So you have your experience, you can do this once in a, in, a, in a showcase scenario, but now to integrate it in your daily habits and into the daily work, that's even more difficult. But I think 
you know, we have the right people in the right place. I mean, Lars from my team, who has done everything when it comes to the project management, he's now trying with the whole guys Bockheim, you know, to, to create something, to test something. And hopefully then we can establish new, new revenue streams, create new rights, um, create new formats. I mean, we are now talking concrete about different um, cases with the partner which have been tested by the, by the innovation game. And they want actually to use this in every home game for the new season or for the, up, for the running season. So those are the cases we are now cr trying to create. And beside that, it is obviously um, based on the reach and based on the media we got from the game, it is good for our brand that we are now known even more that we are able to pull something off and we are interested in having technology, having innovation. And I think that's a good, you know, good asset to have when it comes for potential new brands who hopefully will understand that it's probably even interesting or more interesting to, to leverage your classic sponsorship rights with some digital or some innovative stuff. Definitely. I mean, yeah, you focus very much now on your large community of fans. Alex, maybe more from the B2B perspective, how is this innovation game different from, I would say, any normal game day at Cone? Well, it wasn't very different from a normal game day for us um, at, the, at the match day. Um, but maybe just to add something why it's so important for us, um, we are totally sold out in this season. Um, so we, we can't sell it any more assets uh, despite of digital assets so we we have to invent more uh, assets that we can sell new new revenue streams and and that's um, why it's so important for us I mean we we, we use the, the match of course um, for showing our partners uh, virtual overlay uh, we, we we could sell some um, some marketing packages for the game and of course, we had some features for our business clients. But coming back to your question, for us, it was quite a normal uh, uh, match day. For Philip's team and for Damien, not. <laughs> OK. That's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe coming also a bit to the overall concept of this innovation game, Philip. I mean, we've already touched on a bit what what was all included in this and you mean i mean we all know there were many many technologies uh, used could you maybe just walk us through a little bit of this of the concept of the in in match tech evaluations you did and how this how you planned the project yes yeah, so at the beginning um, as damien said we actually defined four different perspectives because we said, okay, we actually have four different target groups, how a potential fan could consume the game. So we have the fan in the stadium, obviously. We have the partner, our B2B partners in the stadium or at home. We have the mobile journey. So let's say probably more for the younger generation and perhaps when you're on the go. And then you have the TV experience on Magenta TV or in the stream. Um, and based on those journeys, we actually try to define different touch points where existing solutions we have in our deal flow could help to create a new experience. So when we talk about the stadium, it was, it was obviously some key points, right? So you have the entrance to the stadium, you have probably the communication before the fan who has a ticket comes to the stadium. Um, you have the public catering issue, you have the fan engagement when you're seated in the stadium. 
you have the um, the in-game um, the in-game coverage on the TV screens. So actually, everything which is possibly to enhance the experience for the fan in the stadium, we just challenged, and we made um, we got different feedback loops. So for before the game, part of the conception was actually feedback from the fans. What is something you would like to change on the current situation? And when you get the feedback from the fans, you, you need to understand that actually, you know, the status quo is probably not that what you, are, what you want to have. Because if we are all honest, um, the experience from the service perspective, when you come to a football match today, that's not ideal, right? So the entrance to the stadium takes too long. It's too, too super crowded. You probably don't know where you need to go, where your seat is. Public catering, I don't even talk about that topic because I don't like it. Connectivity in the stadium. I mean, last year we had, actually, you had, you had no chance to, to post an Instagram story in our stadium. Now we have, through our partner Deutsche Telekom, we have 5G in the stadium, and the connectivity is something different. But if you talk about digital business models, mobile business models, for fan engagement and you have no connectivity in the stadium that's pretty bad yeah and those were the you know those were the status quo we are trying to analyze and then try to define the use cases we have seen over the years and reached out to the different solutions and said hey could you think about that use case could you actually help us with that obviously when you go to this game you don't experience every innovation right so because we had AC Milan the Italian champion Unluckily, Slatan Ibrahimovic wasn't injured, but this is an interesting football match beside all the innovation, right? So you have a lot of fans who just come there and want to experience the normal, the normal football match. But in general, we had a good amount of people using the web app. So we, de we developed a web app where 60,000 people through the game were connected to the different solutions where you could join the journey you were in and then test out the different solutions. For the broadcasting, I think this morning we talked a lot about the broadcasting, right? And everybody probably have seen the, the videos which went uh, rival from the body cams and all that stuff. That is obviously something that people want to talk about. But in the background, there were different solutions um, like testing a self-filling um, beer machine, yeah, something simple. We don't need to talk about innovation always from the, from the moonshot perspective. That actually worked pretty good. So you just have mobile payment, two beers. They were filled up immediately, and you don't need anyone to, you don't need to queue. You don't need any personal people who is um, actually filling your beer. Then we had in the background we had a crowd management system, um, what actually were used by our security department, where you can <coughs> see how crowded different places in the stadium are, and we integrated this into the web app for. Let's say you want to go and grab a beer in the halftime, then you could actually see what um, what kiosk is probably the the less crowded, so you probably have the best chance to get your beer first. Same for the toilet situation, but in general they were using this as well for the Südkurve, so where a lot of people are coming in at a short amount of time, so that they can better understand how the people are going in the stadium and all that stuff. Um, mobile journey, yeah, probably the most interesting from my perspective. We have a pre-game show there. We did something uh, on Twitch where we were on the pitch before the game. So it was a mobile stream. Today, I think it is called IRL. 
in real live stream or something like that, where we had a 5G camera from Telecom and then we just were able to go live down to the pitch, talk to the players who actually just came out of the bus, were in the locker room talking to the kit man, then went up to, you know, different scenarios, different behind the scenes scenes. And this is actually the case we were now looking into where different partners said, hey, this should be, this should be, in every home game should be part of the the communication. You know, it's difficult to talk about everything because some cases were isolated for depending on the journey you were taking. But in general, I think it was for for every fan, for every target group, there was something they could they could use and would ho hopefully help them to have a better experience in the stadium or in front of the TV. One thing that I think it's worth mentioning is and and Philippe touched really shortly about it but we're talking about the fans and the ability to get the fans feedback is something brave and and Philippe mentioned it but I think bringing the fans as part of the 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 strategy will probably lead to a higher engagement rate in the next years and that's something that I think every club or sport organization should do because at the end if you want to bring more people You need to listen to what they need, what they want, and how they want to experience the, the sport. Philip, you, you already touched on a little bit, you know, with Deutsche Telekom being your tech partner, Arce Milan as a very interesting uh, opponent, you know, really showcasing a very competitive match. Um, we've kind of called it, it was a perfect match, also with the partners. Yeah, I just... It's just a special case. I mean, nobody has done something like that. That is just the truth. So, um, you know, what I mentioned at the beginning, where we coming from? So, you know, deciding that we want to go heavily into those kind of new technologies, innovation, because we truly believe that we need this. Beginning with the Startup Accelerator, where we get it first in touch with the people, with the founders, we're international brands. Um, and then, you know, bringing it, Bringing all together at one place, that is something um, which was very, very intense for our team, for my team, but also for the whole company. Um, because, you know, normally in the summer break, everybody can take a deep breath. But this time, um, some crazy guys came along with a new idea. And obviously, that's for, you know, for the resources in the organization. That's very, was a very intense time. Deutsche Telekom and in front Germany slash lab they all knew that we want to create something special from the beginning and i think there were some times where we probably thought okay i don't know if we can pull this off um because something i mean as i said in the pandemic we tried to take eight months again and wait until the next summer so that we can bring it you know in the perfect environment And I think that's just the perfect match when we talk about technology, sport, business, know-how, and then our club with the whole in motion. And then at the end, we need to say that we were lucky enough that our defender, who was probably wearing his camera, he was actually a perfect cameraman. Because every goal which was scored in the game was like some professional camera guy would st standing on the pitch. Um, the weather was perfect. Um, Unluckily, we didn't manage to get into the penalty shootout. But yeah, I actually, at the, at the end, everything came together. And you know, since it was uh, this innovation game is obviously very focused or centric on, on the fans and on the fan community, 
would you agree saying that having an opponent as attractive as AC Milan is vital for such a game? Yes, that's. I, I would say this is probably the most important thing for the business case because I mean we need to be honest. We we are not in a situation where we can invest in such a project um, six figures. So we needed to make sure, beside the innovation and the tech part, that we hopefully have a profitable game. And this obviously comes from from the ticketing sales. At the beginning, we were talking about Bayern Munich, obviously as the the other big club in uh, the Deutsche Telekom environment. But they um, had a US US tour, and then we said, okay, we need some big name, but potentially because it was actually the time where the fans were singing um, that we hopefully come to the European Cup again. And you know, there's a, there's a song in Cologne that. It's called Someday we were all traveling back to Milan and watching the club. Milan were the Italian champions, so actually, potentially, probably is even the better, the better opponent. And yeah, I mean, afterwards, when, when we had the viral, the viral uh, videos, AC Milan helped us to, to gain some additional reach because they obviously have a good, um, a good re reach by themselves. And what you didn't mention is... Um Before it was AC Milan, um, we thought about uh, Hamburg SV. And, but that's the problem. Um, Hamburg SV, I dare to say that the stadium would be full and even the, the, the um, hospitality. And we as Infant Germany, we had to, to sell the marketing packages for the game to reach at least break even what we did. So this was very important uh, for the club. Maybe now jumping a little further and diving deeper. I mean, you've already mentioned the different fans' journeys and that you ended up deciding three instead of the starting four. Damien, I think this is obviously where you guys heavily came in. You ended up obviously designing the app as well. Could you maybe walk us through what, what happens in that process? How does this app uh, yeah, come to life? The, all the tech evaluations that you did of the hundreds of companies Why was it those 19 companies at the end of the day? So first, regarding the fan journey, um, it was very clear, again, as Philippe mentioned, they came with a clear goal and a clear path of the customer journey. And based on that, it was very straightforward to say, okay, these are the options. We had uh, another option, as Philippe said, uh, around sponsors, but then we've incorporated those into the fans, uh, in the, into the journey. And then you always have the challenge of how to integrate the various tech companies because you can, again, have great companies that work in silos and they can develop something amazing, but this can't be integrated into the app or it doesn't leave in, in the right environment. It doesn't leave in the live uh, or near live and they need other things or they need money. And let's, let's be very open here. We did not invest too much money to bring all those companies. Now, one thing is to say, we will promise you a contract, but we never did. And we will never promise that because we need to make sure that they work. We need to get the feedback of the fans. And only at that point, we can then assess whether we want to do something or not. So they are going to do something without any money around it or very, let's say, just covering the cost. And that, it, it is a huge challenge because let's take WSC as, a, as an example. WSC is one of the leading companies. It's a unicorn in terms of 
let's say, the sports industry. They work with the DFL, they work with the NBA. For them, working with Eftekun is a nice opportunity, but this is not the jackpot. And still, they saw the potential in getting closer to the fans, in being able to take it to the next level and to really be part of something original. Because, as Philippe said, this was the first time that something like this um, happened. Then you have, I think, Mindfly, um, which is the, the body cam. This was initiated by Philippe and I think the previous CEO, right? So four years ago, Philippe said, look, we need to have a body cam. And Mindfly was not there, by the way. They were not founded at that time. And I told Philippe, based on what we knew, look, it's great, but it's not stable. It will be very hard to bring something that lives and, and bring a proper experience. And then Philippe insisted, and Mindfly came, and the result was amazing. Whether this is possible now to integrate into the live games, etc., we know that it's not. But I think for trainings and for additional footage, it is amazing. Actually, the ex-CEO wrote me after the game and asked why we were not able to see the perspective from the player in VR. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we can cover other um, things, but I think touching another opportunity around sponsors with Myriad, um, which was done before with uh, Magenta, where we included the ads, a sponsor, uh, which was Deutsche Telekom, in the 24-7 um, TV series seamlessly. So imagine that now there is the video and then we add an ad here and this can be customizable whether you want it for the German speakers in German and for the English speaker in English and in Japan it will be in Japanese and it will be then tailored also for the audience. So there's a lot that can be done um, and I think this was a great experience also for sponsors to show that there's more that you can create, not only in the game environment, but rather in, in the additional footage. That's actually a case where we, where we have now created a package together, because Myriad is actually able to you know, integrate every kind of brand integration seamlessly. So we are producing a lot of video content day by day, and obviously you have the, the visibility of the the LED boards or the generic brands on the jersey. But what they can do with their technology, the technology is actually identifying free space in the video content and they're integrating brands, campaigns. Um, it looked like they could actually integrate a, a, beer. a beer here, a guffle, right? And if you, we, we tested it, we have shown the video several colleagues in the organization. Nobody is actually seeing that this is integrated afterwards. Um, so that's a pretty interesting use case, what we're actually try now trying to um, market with different partners. That makes the, the innovation game so special, because every tool, maybe except for the body cam, uh, is ready for market. And right now we are selling uh, Myriad um, within the 24-7 uh, TV series. Yeah. You said all of them are except of the body cam, ready to market. Was that one of the key conditions why you specifically chose these technologies over others? Yes, because again, as I said before, 
we want to move the needle. We, we want to move away a bit from the just doing the PR. At the end, we want to be measured by any other business. How much money can we bring? How much money this technolo these technologies can add? Because at the end, it's a business. It's not just you know, hot air with concepts and concepts and concepts that never materialized. Philip, you already touched on, uh, or we touched on quickly on the stage, Damien, you uh, showed some of these numbers earlier this morning, very impressive numbers, very positive numbers. So obviously it's very safe to say that it was a successful innovation game, a success story um, as a case itself. For you, for a club, what, what, what is your takeaway? Like, Why are these numbers so special? What is most important for you? Where was your focus? I think the focus is on the feedback. Um, to be honest, because obviously the numbers here, when we when we see, for example, the reach or the growth we have on the social media platforms, that is amazing. But the feedback is even more important, you know, to develop something sustainable out of it. But I mean, we have compared, or Lars actually from my team has compared this whole reporting from the three to four um, days. Um, around the game with a normal Bundesliga match against Bayern Munich, including the reach Bayern Munich has. And this game has factor five, comparing the total reach we generated within three days compared to an actual Bundesliga match against Bayern Munich. So we generated five times the reach, five times the relevance um, out of this game. And the 95 million people who have, or the, the, the views we have on social media, um, I think three to four content pieces were the most successful content pieces ever for the whole club. Um, and obviously this, this has an impact for our social media team, 100,000 new TikTok followers, I think, um, during one day. Um, and this is obviously something we can as well develop something sustainable out of it, but probably the most important thing is now as we all said already, how can we actually use this for sustainable businesses? But on the other hand, the international media, it was very interesting to see because um, 433 or Sport Bible, all the biggest um, digital football platforms with a huge reach, 50 million on Instagram, they actually used the content and showcased it and you know um, shared our content. And you have seen that the international football community said, wow, finally something did something like that and the national football community on our own platforms they were more like hmm, i don't know if we need this right so it's interesting because the cultural difference there between the international football experience i don't know even more or closer to the nba or nfl experience um, they're totally open to everything the football community in germany is probably a bit more traditional i think that's that's okay and it's just a matter of time currently they are yeah. currently not interested in, in those tools, but they, they get younger. Yeah, exactly. Audience. Yeah. I mean, that's the question, right. right? That's that's actually the case. Obviously, that the Zone, Sky, and the leagues, they we were in contact with them, right? So the body cam case is obviously the most discussed topic um, internally as well. Yeah. But on the other hand, we just wanted to showcase something. Yeah. And we are. It's obvious that we can't use it on, on next Saturday, but I'm pretty sure that some people from the leagues and some people from the broadcasters, as Hero said this morning, they are now looking into, and also different sports, right? So perhaps this is something for handball or basketball in Germany, 
to be more attractive to, to new customers. Now, let's also not forget about the adoption curve, right? You have the early adopters where we see the US as pioneers and we see the, the European market, let's say in, in most cases, more as a late adapter. But I think Philippe and his team, and I really want a shout out to Lars because he did an amazing job. Um, they were pioneers and they took this a step forward and I think we will see the results in the next couple of years that suddenly the late adapters will wake up and say, that's nice, we can do that. Why not try this and that? And this is exactly where we want to be. We want to take the risk. I mean, we all took the risk with Epsicon as probably the biggest risk, but we also see the results. Yeah, well, let's hope that you definitely set a role model, I would say, and that many follow to make sports even more interesting and attractive nowadays. Um, but yeah, obviously we've already touched on a little bit. There's many opportunities that an innovation game like that brings from all different parties, for a club itself, for the sponsors, even for the fans, also um, for us at Infront. Um, maybe, Damien, from, from your perspective, what, what do you see as the biggest opportunities that come out of such a game? Before talking about the opportunities, just I think the enablers, the next level would be probably the data, the real-time, live, ultra-low latency data that will really enable a better experience and whether we're doing it from home or uh, in venue. And this will allow us to, to build additional experiences from gamifying the experience of, of watching. So you have the names of the players and the things that you want to see, again, live around the ball. And then the sky is the limit because you can commercialize every single aspect if you want. Of course, that's not ideal because this will harm the experience. That's for sponsors. I think for clubs, it will allow the club to, to also cater to the needs of the younger audience because they want to see something gamified. They see it on TikTok. They see it on other platform. They want to have something younger and they are not there to spend 90 minutes without doing something else in parallel. Um, and for the marketing, I think probably um, Alex is, is more um, the, the right person to say what are the, the opportunities, but from a tech perspective, the, our focus will be on data, on personalized experiences, and then we can help uh, the business guys to reach their goals. Well, at the end, it is what you said. Um, we are looking at data as well uh, because we are selling the data to, to our um, customers and um, creating new assets, as I said before. So, yeah, it's all about business. And I, I totally agree. At the end, it's, you know, when you see the 95 million in reach, that's something we talked about with um, Christian Keller and Philipp Thuroff. Lars and myself talked about, you know, the results of the game. And when you see this amount of reach, you now think, okay, obviously we generated a great amount of media value for the existing brands based on the reach we had. But 
isn't there or shouldn't there be a different business model behind this? So perhaps thinking about a performance-orientated um, component where we actually say, okay, we have this use case. If this goes rival, you will pr you need to talk or you need to pay um, a certain t uh, uh, a certain KPI or a certain um, t TKP. There we go. And at the end, it's for us. It's about initial data from the fan giving them the most um, perfect experience they want to have when it comes to football. Because the emotions we have, we are actually not... Currently, we're probably not getting everything out what we could. Um, and if we have the infrastructure behind it to say, okay, this is actually everything happened on the on the front end, right? So this is actually the direct, the direct channel to the fan. But in the back end, we need to have a data strategy with the infrastructure. We need to have a different platform, a different mobile app, um, or at least a different mobile experience because we just, currently it's just not good enough and it's not aligned enough so that every fan who is in the stadium has the ability to use those solutions and get an individualized experience when he's in our stadium. And if we are able to do that in the direct-to-consumer business, I think this will automatically leverage the B2B part because a couple of months, couple of years, the brands probably would like to have data as well and not only visibility. So I think that's the platform business we should all think about. And when we say personalization, it's not only here from, a let's say, a German point of view, but if we can personalize the experience for the Japanese and the US client base and maybe there is... A player coming from the Philippines and now we can personalize the experience for the fans there and in South America it starts with the data the game data but also the user data and once you understand where the fans are coming from and by the way you can see it directly right so you go on the website and you see that 95% of the fans are coming from Germany but the rest is being I don't know generated from um, France and from uh, um, Philippines and from whatever, then you know that there is a potential and if you can grow the fan base there, you can probably generate more revenues at the end. So now obviously we've heard a lot about already the positive aspects, but obviously there were also many obstacles that you've had to overcome. I mean, you've already mentioned the pandemic was there. Uh, you needed to extend the timing a bit as well. But now you've just touched on um, really leveraging the data that you have at hand. Um, now also looking a bit ahead in the future um, from the challenges and the learnings you take away um, from the innovation game. Um, what would you? What would be your like top three takeaways for your club, but also maybe for someone else that is looking into doing something similar to you? From the internal perspective, would be probably the the point that if you really want to tackle those challenges, digital innovation, new business models, you would need definitely to have the right structure in place. You need to have the right people in place, which we have. Um, but on the other hand, as I said, you know, parallel to the business, to the daily business in football, to create something or to focus on such, in, such a project is always um, difficult for us. And I think if we really want to be a more digital orientated business, then we need to have a structure in place which helps us more to you know, shift the focus more towards those topics. The other thing I would say is just try it. I, I think that we have shown that obviously you need to be brave and you need to, to try something, but 
five or six years ago, so we identified a problem from our perspective. And from this day on, we actually tried to, to challenge everything, which was the status quo. And now we have managed to, you know, change the mindset, change the culture and pulled off a project. We have a new partner like Deutsche Telekom, who is um, technology and innovation partner. And they're doing this based on the positioning we have done within the last four years. So I would say have a clear strategy, clear goals, why you actually target those challenges and then just go for it. And um, I hope that every organization in sport is having this in mind. Uh, although it's difficult parallel to the, um, to the daily hustle, but as I said, with the right structure and with the right strategy, I think this should be the goal for everyone. And being ready to fail, because not everything will work. Yeah. I mean, we had certain points where I actually thought this is not going to happen, because it's, you know, the culture, you need to have the culture in place that everybody says, okay, we try this. And also the commitment from the sea level that they actually say, okay, could be the case that the body cam doesn't record. I mean... If the body cam wouldn't have recorded, it would be a pity, but could have happened. Um, and the third one is probably, yeah, I think at some point it's good to, um, to target existing um, borders and really try to have at least one case to show that there's something more possible or different kinds of solutions there who could actually leverage our business today. And you don't have to wait until they are probably perfect to use. So, yeah, that would be my perspective. Damien, you said ready to fail or willing to learn because the, the feedback, what we got right after the match was so important for all of us. And for example, um, one, one or two years ago, uh, we make, uh, made a research um, with our business uh, customers and they wanted to uh, get more in touch with other uh, business customers networking. So we thought uh, for this game, uh, a feature like like. Business Tinder, I call it business Tinder. Uh, you can check in and you see who's in the stadium, who's in the in, in, in the hospitality area, which position, which company, and so on. Uh, would be a great a great feature. And um, some of the clients used it, but the majority not. And uh, the feedback uh, what we got was: I go to the bar and drink a Kirsch, which is a delicious beer for the people uh, here living here in Düsseldorf. Um, And, and I connect by myself. And we thought, whoa, this is not the feedback from the research uh, one year ago. So yeah, we learned and um, we have to do different things. That's, that's true. And, in, and to add another point there, actually the feedback from the fans based on the basics. So every, every process who has actually not, nothing to do with the innovation game. There were a couple of people who said, okay, We understand why you're doing this, but please don't forget about the queue at the entrance or that I need 20 minutes to get a beer uh, in halftime. So the, this is a, I mean, a lot of people say, okay, why are you talking about innovation? We need to make, first of all, we need to make the, basis, the basics, but on the other end, I think you need to be able to pull off both, um, which is obviously not difficult, difficult, but the basics should be, not forgotten because it's obviously important that the core business is working as well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, maybe just looking ahead now, we're post-innovation game. It was roughly two months ago. Um, 
what is happening now? Obviously, this project is not just done and put in a drawer and forgotten about. You keep working on it. Are there already technologies that are being implemented? You said you are obviously heavily discussing the body cam internally. Um, there was many things tested. Uh, what is happening now? Are there possible deals being made, things you're looking to activate already? Yeah, as I said, the, the B2B part with Myriad is something we, we are looking into. Um, the content part with the body cam and the body mics, we have tested this already in our documentary. Um, the body cam itself is... I don't know if it, if it is that interesting for training purposes, but um, could be the case. Um, the mic thing is super interesting also for training purposes because um, you don't always need to distribute the content. Perhaps the content could help the coaching for example. Um, and then we have WSC, um, we had Sizzle, where you have the, you know, the potential to create individual highlights so that you can actually be your own producer and create something. This is something we are looking into for our new video platform. Um, so then we go feature by feature, probably when we talk about developing a new app, developing the new platform, I think, then there's a lot of opportunity for those solutions to be integrated in our new world. And maybe adding uh, the virtual overlay case um, is, isn't quite uh, innovative or new for most of, of the audience here in this room, uh, but for our main partners with international focus uh, and for us, because it was the first live test in the stadium um, with Supana, um, it is uh, a really interesting and exciting uh, technology for the next couple of years. Maybe one final question to all of you, a bit tricky one before we open the floor uh, to questions. After going through this project, what would you recommend to another club, be it in football, be it handball, be it another sport? What would you recommend going after um, now concerning innovation? I'd say be open. Um, be open, really, to be open to um, solutions which are not ready yet. Um, and just try to try to create a special strategy when it comes to digital and tech. Um, and I think today you probably need some guy behind, not on the sea level. Sea level would be perfect, but I think that's not the case in Germany and football already. Um, so you need really you need to have a, somebody who is understanding why this should be part of your business strategy within the next few years. Um, and then, as I said, just go for it. Find the right partners. I think um, that was vital for this project. The fact that um, we get along and we have the same understanding was crucial. And for those who are looking to do something similar, make sure that you're aligned and that the partner on the other side is seeing these things at least in, a, in an aligned way. If you see eye and eye, that's even better. I would say think out, out of the box and tackle your own perspective um, because the, I call it threat, and I mean the NFL is in Germany already and they show us uh, how sports entertainment works. All right, thank you guys so much. Um, are there any questions here on the floor that would like to be raised? Thank you. Um, thank you for the interesting talk. Uh, first of all, my question would be, um, yesterday we talked about the, a lot about the NFL and the NBA, so it seems obvious that um, the DFL should be pushing 
those um, those things, right? Um, yesterday, we, I also heard a talk that um, in an international environment, the NFL is far behind the Premier League and everything. So uh, my question would be, what are the talks to NFL? What do they look like? Do you try to, let's say, uh, persuade them to integrate uh, certain um, yeah, broadcasting features that we just saw? And what's the standpoint there? Because my, my question when I watched the game was... Um, of course, it seems that NFL and their broadcasting units seem to be a bit, um, let's say, less innovative than other, don't want to judge anything, but less innovative than other um, other leagues. Do you think that you may use, uh, as we just spoke about the international reach as well, do you think that we may use some content that was, for example, generated by the body cams um, non-live, so that you may provide it afterwards maybe creating uh, out of the club some content in this regard, uh, which is not used live in the broadcast feed and everything, but maybe afterwards for, I don't know, social media, um, also for the club generating international um, reach, yeah. Yes, I think they should definitely think about it. I mean, we talked to the DFL heavily, actually throughout the whole process, so they were part of the conception because um, at some point you, should have those guys on board because it's, as I said, you're probably over the over the actual border when it comes to the to the riots, and you know the DFB has something to say about the ref cam as well. So you need to be need to be aware of their opinion. Um, I think when we talk about the entertainment product of the Bundesliga comparing to the, to the NFL or NBA, it's obviously not comparable based on a different structure. But when we talk about content and when we talk about how they actually are able to, you know, create content pieces on different platforms, actually beside the game, beside the live game. I mean, the, the game is already, or the game is running, and they have different content pieces on the different platforms live already. Um, I think that is always the discussion in football in Germany we have, right? So the DFL is doing a great job, or did a great job when it comes to the media rights um, and the media revenue we get. On the other hand, you now need to think about how you can actually grow the media revenue if you are giving away all the relevant rights. So, das Henne-Ei-Problem in Germany, um, this is something the DFL is targeting a lot, but at the end, the clubs want to have more individual rights to do stuff like that. On the other hand, we are getting a lot of money for you know, selling the TV rights. Um, but yeah, technology can help, but I think on the other hand, we shouldn't forget that the football product in Germany is good, and I think there's a lot of potential to, you know, create different content pieces with technology automatically for a younger generation, and I think then this can help us um, to hopefully not letting the NFL take in over every football fan in Germany. I think in terms of the NFL, and the NBA, again, it's a different audience in the US and as I said, they are pioneers, but at the same time, I'm not sure that the change, I mean, the DFL is doing an amazing job, really. I mean, the, the partnership with Amazon, the partnership around um, the data, they are really doing an amazing job. But at the same time, they are part of, as an organization, the late adapters because it's heavier. And therefore, I think the clubs, have the opportunity to do more 
in the non-game environment for trainings, for um, I think the, the TV show that um, FTKN have is, is amazing. And you need more of this and more of the tailored content for the various fans to really grow the fan base. Once you do that, it will be easier than to implement it also as part of the game. But we see it, football is, is kind of late in changing, in adopting, in doing football as a whole, not only in Germany. And, and it is challenging. But at the same time, and, and Philippe mentioned it, the technology, what was very expensive five and ten years ago, to produce the content, to deliver, to, to let's say, design, etc., is super easy today. You can use your mobile phone, the quality is good, good enough, and you can share this content on social, on the private channel, and it means that this now enables the clubs and even the athletes to create more content, to reach more audience, and therefore to, to reach, I think, more revenues at the end of the day. I think we would have time to squeeze in one more question, if there is one. So based on all the data that you gather, the Yesterday there was lots of talks about the metaverse. How easy is it to convert all this into that environment? So you need two things um, in that perspective. One is the location data. One thing, you know, is the speed, passes, etc. The other thing is the location of the ball and the players. Once you have that, it will be easier for you, I mean, as a tech provider, to offer this metaverse experience but this also comes with a price because when you take the current data providers there is a latency of 5 15 20 minutes depends where you where you are and this contradicts a bit the experience right because you don't want to see the game and then see it in the metaverse with the delayed experience so one thing is to delay the entire experience and the other thing is to reduce the latency. How you do it? One of the options is, um, let's say, the, the IoT option, meaning you need to have a chip in the ball and in the shirts of the players, which you have already with, uh, let's say, you have at least three to catapult, etc., that are already providing the GPS, but they're not connected, in most cases, to the broadcaster. And you don't have the chip. I mean, you do have it in handball with Kinexon, or you do have it in hockey with Wise Hockey, where you have the chip integrated in the ball. If you have this, and you have the ultra-low latency of 200 milliseconds, you can then provide an experience that will be similar to the live. And then as a, let's say, a younger audience, if you want to watch it in a gamified experience, whether it's fully... Um, um, let's say superficial or half or you can do it because you have the data, you have the location data and you can create a better experience. All right, looking at the time, I think we have to cut off before we get into trouble with uh, sponsors. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks Alex, Philip and Damien for joining. Thank you all for joining in all your interests. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of The Mix Zone by Infront Lab. 
I'm Marav Severe. You can find me and the lab on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out and chat with our team about sports tech solutions or just last night's game. Enjoyed the episode? Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget to rate us. We'll see you next time.